0: Hey, welcome to episode number 242 of the podcast, More Than Bread. I'm always tempted to say good morning, but I have no idea when you're listening to this. But I know that I'm Dan and I'm your host, I'm your Bible reader and somewhat of a Bible explainer for these moments as we take time to eat some of God's words, because we believe, like Jesus said, that for our lives to thrive, we need more than food for our stomach, we need We need words. We need the bread of life for our soul. We need every word that comes from the mouth of God. And those words, listen, those words are forever good. There's no uh, use by date on them. They don't rot or spoil or go away. Here's how Jesus described the forever goodness of the word in Mark 13, 31. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Never. It'll always be there for us when we come to it. Its value will always be off the charts good. I love the story that um, Christian historians tell in AD 303, the emperor Diocletian was was persecuting the church, and, and he thought the way to destroy Christians was to destroy the Bible. So he had his soldiers go door to door, confiscate all the Bibles, and and then that set them on fire. That same year, he had a coin struck with a, an inscription on it that said, the Christian religion is destroyed and the worship of gods is restored. He thought he had done away with Christianity because he destroyed the scriptures, but he didn't get every copy destroyed. Within 10 years, a decade later, Constantine came along and embraced Christianity, and one of his acts as emperor was to commission the making of 50 copies of the Bible handwritten at government expense. I remember that the Bible was not written with permanent markers on nice paper. You you couldn't get a copy machine. It was written on papyrus and animal skins with crude and primitive writing instruments. And yet we have more manuscript evidence supporting the text of the Bible than any other 10 ancient literature pieces combined. People have tried for years to discredit and destroy the Bible. Max Lucado says the Bible has been banned, burned, scoffed, and ridiculed. Scholars have mocked it as foolish. Kings have branded it as illegal. A thousand times over, the grave has been dug, and the dirge has begun. But somehow, the Bible never stays in the grave. Not only has it survived, it's thrived. It's the single most popular book in all of history. And it's not just some old book. Listen to me. It has been chosen for you you've been chosen for it. And that's where we're going to head in this episode. So before we read Colossians 3, 1 through 17 again, just take a moment and get situated in what it means that you are chosen. If you're a Christ follower right now and you're not driving your car, would you just take a moment, close your eyes and ponder this. You have been chosen by Christ the most amazing man to ever inhabit heaven and earth. He chose you. He picked you up and exchanged your existence for his life. And now you're part of the kingdom that will never end. You're not only part of the team, you've been adopted into the family of the creator of the universe. In him is all the fullness of God. And in that fullness, you're made whole. There is no sin that he cannot forgive. No mess he cannot redeem and no wound. Listen to me. There is no wound he cannot heal. In fact, you right now are being shaped to look more and more like him every day. Nothing taking place in the world today is beyond his leadership. He is first in everything. All authority has been given to him, and you're on his team, in his family. You have been chosen. Now listen, as I read from and into that place, Colossians 3, 1 through 17, I'm reading from the New International Version. Paul says, Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Take it off, get rid of it, Paul's saying. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, like anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices and, and you put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ. There's there's only Christ. Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, listen to this now. Those are my words. Listen to this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, as God's chosen people he's speaking to you as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience bear with each other forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone forgive as the lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts and whatever you do. In other words, my words, everything that you do, no matter what you do, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I wanted to read that whole part, same that we read in the last last episode, but we're going to settle in on just one part that I think is so incredibly vital and valuable. Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. (laughs) Holy and dearly loved. God's chosen people. I'm not even going to put a verb on it. Paul does, and we'll get to the verb action later. But for now, I just want the noun and the adjectives to soak in. God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. You realize that's you, right? It's not just Paul's friends way back there who helped to start one of the first churches. It's you. It's me. It's, it's every Jesus follower. You are chosen by God. You are holy and dearly loved. That's who you are. I mean, just whisper those words to yourself. I am chosen. I'm chosen. By God, I'm chosen. There's such power in being chosen. I love the story that Dan Taylor tells in, in his book, Letters to My Children. He, he wrote the following letter to his son, Matthew. It says, Dear Matthew, when I was in the sixth grade, I was an All-American. I was smart, athletic, witty, handsome, and incredibly nice. Things went downhill fast in junior high, but for this one year, at least I had everything. Unfortunately, I, I also had Miss Owens for an assistant teacher. She helped Mr. Jenkins, our regular teacher, and she knew that even though I was smart and incredibly nice, and you realize these are my words, you realize he- he's kind of puffing himself up. She knew that even though I was smart and incredibly nice, there was still a thing or two that I could work on. And one of the things you were expected to do in grade school was learn how to square dance. Every time we went to work on our dancing, we did this terrible thing. The boys would all line up at the door in the front of the room and then one by one, each boy would pick a girl to be his partner. The girls all sat at their desk and as they were chosen, they left their desks and joined the boys who had honored them with their favor. Believe me, Taylor writes, the boys didn't like this, or at least I didn't. But think about being one of those girls. Think about waiting to get picked. Think about seeing who was going to get picked before you. Think about worrying that you would get picked by someone you couldn't stand. Think about worrying whether you would get picked at all. Think if you were Mary. Mary Dan Taylor writes, sat near the front of the classroom on the right side. She wasn't pretty. She wasn't real smart. She wasn't witty. She was nice. But that wasn't enough in those days. Mary certainly wasn't athletic. In fact, she had polio or something when she was younger, and and one of her arms was kind of drawn up, and she had a bad leg. And to finish it off, she was, she was overweight. Here's where Miss Owens comes in. Miss Owens took me aside one day, and she whispered to me, "Dan, next time we have square dancing, I want you to choose Mary." Taylor writes. It was like she'd asked me to fly to Mars. You mean pick someone other than the best, the most pretty, the most popular when my turn came? And then Miss Owens did a really rotten thing. She told me that's what a Christian would do. (laughs) And I knew I was doomed. I was doomed because she was right. It was exactly the kind of thing Jesus would have done. I agonized. Choosing Mary would go against all the coolness I had accumulated Well, the day came when we were to square dance again. If God really loves me, I thought, I'll be last today. (laughs) Then I will have done the right thing and it won't cost me anything. Well, you can guess where I was instead. For whatever reason, Mr. Jenkins put me first in line. And there I was, my heart pounding. Now I knew how the girls must have felt. The faces of the girls turned toward me. Some were smiling. I looked at Mary and saw that she was half turned to the back of the room, and her face was staring down at her desk, and Mr. Jenkins said, Okay, Dan, choose your partner. I remember feeling very far away, and I heard my voice say, I choose Mary. Never before, he writes, has reluctant virtue been so rewarded. I I still see her face undimmed in my memory. She lifted her head, and on her face, reddened with pleasure and surprise and embarrassment, all at the same time, was the most genuine look of delight and pride that I had ever seen. It was so pure that I had to look away because I I didn't deserve it. Mary came and took my arm as we'd been instructed, and she walked beside me, bad leg and all, just like a princess. Mary's my age now. I I never saw her after that year. I don't know what her life's been like or what she's doing, but I'd like to think that she has a fond memory of at least one day in sixth grade. I know I do. Love, Dad. Think of some of our metaphors for being chosen. They're they're so powerful. For example, the idea of marriage, to know that someone has chosen you and vowed to love you, chosen you above all others and said, I I want to be with you. Lynn and I are going on 40 years of marriage. I still haven't gotten over the fact that she said yes to me. (laughs) Of course, neither has she. (laughs) How about the image of adoption? I mean, adoption is at the very heart of the gospel. We've been adopted into the family of God. And when we see adoption in action today, isn't there just something that grabs our hearts? We we aren't idealistic about it. After the choice of adoption comes a sometimes difficult journey of parenting. But we love adoption at Calvary. We've we've helped so many couples adopt. and And if you're adopted, you realize that you are also chosen. I have some moments over the years of being chosen that are defining moments for me. First time my dad chose me to go hunting with him in western South Dakota. That was a trip he always went on with his friends, but one year he chose me. And not being chosen is just as difficult as being chosen, right? Some of us experienced that in school, the dreaded recess or PE practice of choosing teams. It wasn't so much that we wanted to be chosen first. Some of us did. But it was more that we dreaded being chosen last. I mean, there's, there's something that connects at the deepest level of our heart when we're chosen. On the other hand, rejection hurts. Oh, my goodness. That, that's why we use metaphors like broken hearts and hurt feelings. One of the ways that we identify people is by our labels, right? Our labels, In fact, sometimes we wear labels on our clothes in the hopes that it will say something to others about our identity. But we label people. We have economic labels and theological labels. We have labels for how someone looks or thinks. We have sexual labels and intellectual labels. They help us know who to choose and who to reject. But, But here's the deal. If you are in Christ, if you believe in Jesus, you're a Jesus apprentice, a follower of Christ, here's your label. Chosen by God. Chosen by God. Some of you listening to me, you don't believe it. But I'm telling you, it's true. Your label is chosen by God. (laughs) That's who you are. And, and this idea of being chosen by God is all over in the Bible. Paul talks about it in Ephesians 1 when he says that God chose us from before the foundation of the world, chose us, and adopted us. Peter also develops this idea of being chosen in his letter. In, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, he, he writes, but you are a chosen race, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, why? So that you may proclaim his excellencies, the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Together, we are a chosen people, people for his very own possession. And I, and I know, I understand in our culture, the word possession is not a very exciting word. To be the possession of someone, even God does not exactly give me goosebumps of wonder. But the word translated here as possession is so much richer than that. Peter has in mind the idea of the segula. That's a Hebrew word. It's from the Old Testament. The segula was the special treasure of the kings. When when a king was crowned, everything in the country belonged to him, but only as long as he was king. Everything belonged to him, but nothing belonged to him. But the segula was his special possession. That belonged to him. It belonged to the king no matter what. No one could take it away. It was his treasure. And that's what Peter is saying we are. We are God's special treasure. We have value. You belong to someone. We're not God's secondhand car, his dirty old boots. You are his jewel, his his special treasure. Make no mistake, we weren't chosen because we were special. We're special because we're chosen. Do Do you know how much you matter to God? Maybe you grew up as a You felt like an unwanted child or or one of your parents left when you were a little kid or or you just never felt like you fit in. It seemed like no one even cared if you fit in. And don't miss this because so often when we think about chosen, we think we need to earn the choice. We need to be good enough to be chosen. Only those who are good enough or pretty enough or rich enough or fill in the blank enough get chosen. Back in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, Moses is talking about the same idea of being a chosen people. And he says in Deuteronomy 7, verses 7 and 8, but he said, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. Let me just put anything else in there. It was not because of your good looks that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. It's not because of your your great resources. It's not because of your ability to think strategically. It's not because of your leadership ability. It's not because of anything that you have. It's not because of anything that you've done that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the the least of all peoples. It's simply because the Lord loves you. Listen, this is so important. God did not choose you because you were pretty or rich or smart. He didn't choose you because of your batting average, your IQ, EQ, or any other Q. Your bank account didn't get you in any more than your personality or the number of people who like you on Facebook or Instagram, the number of followers on Twitter. And because those things never got you in, the lack of those things will not keep you out or kick you out. He chose you because he loves you. And you are loved just because. It's not an if love or a when love. It's a no matter what, just because love. <laughs> His choice. So so here's my question. Just, just ask yourself, do I live like I'm chosen? Do, do I live like I'm chosen like that? Not chosen because I've earned it or wear the right label, but but chosen because I'm loved and loved just because. Do you live like that? That kind of Chosen, Or or do you live with the insecurity of always wondering what people think about how well you do what you do, how well you look, how good you look? (laughs) Do you live like you're chosen just because? Or do you live with this constant sense of potential rejection, rejection because you're just not enough? Do you live like you're chosen? Chosen because you're loved and loved just because? Let me pray for you. God, I'm I'm almost just a little bit overwhelmed by the reality that everybody listening to my voice right now either is or could be (laughs) chosen, chosen by you, holy and dearly loved. The, the, The special treasure, the special possession of God, chosen to be adopted, chosen and loved. Love just because. And God, I know, Father, I know that there are people listening to this who just do not feel that in one little bit, one stretch of the imagination. They they feel rejected and alone, like nobody could ever love them. God, I pray that by your spirit right now, you would kiss their spirit with your spirit, that you would whisper to their spirit that they are chosen, that they are loved, that they are adopted into the family, that they have a place at the table, not because of what they've done or who they are, but because of you. And because it's of you, because because it's not what they've done or, or haven't done or how they look or what they have, because it's none of those things, there is nothing that can cause them to lose what they have, which is chosen, chosen by you, deeply, deeply loved. God, I pray that we would live like that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.